Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Well, hello. I thought we'd start a new series today looking at the Wheel of the Year festivals beginning with Yule, which is just around the corner. It might also be a good idea to pair this episode with the Pagan Origins of Christmas episode that I covered, I think, two years back. But before we start, let's look at the week's forecast. So, this Saturday, Saturday the 10th, is Human Rights Day that honours the adoption of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights on this day in 1948. To quote Eleanor Roosevelt's human rights speech from the event... We must want our fellow human beings to have rights and freedoms which give them dignity and which will give them a sense that they are human beings that can walk the earth with their heads held high and look all men in the face. So how would you honour this day? You could hold a vigil for those who have suffered human rights abuses and those whose human rights are still violated. You could read the charter and take a pledge whereby you declare something along the lines of I respect your rights regardless of who you are. I will uphold your rights even when I disagree with you. When anyone's human rights are denied, everyone's rights are undermined. So I will stand up. I will raise my voice. I will take action. I will use my rights to stand up for your rights. These are very powerful pledges and they're quite useful to hold yourself to account. On Sunday the 11th, it is International Mountain Day, celebrating the importance of mountains, their development and bringing positive change to mountain peoples. 
15% of the world's population actually live on mountains and more than half of humanity relies on mountain freshwater for everyday life. This year, the theme is Women Who Move Mountains. Women play a key role in mountains' environmental protection and social and economic development. If possible, you could climb a mountain or donate to a relevant charity. We also have National Cocoa Day on Tuesday the 13th. Make a hot chocolate and observe the Geminids meteor shower, which often takes place on this day as well. And there's likely to be 120 meteors an hour with red, blue, yellow and orange shooting stars. It's great for deep introspection, meditation and slowing down. And that's pretty much your week. So... Let's dive into the Wheel of the Year, starting with Yule. Let's start with what actually is the Wheel of the Year. You know I love definitions. So the Wheel is a collection of eight seasonal festivals, also known as Sabbaths, that take place throughout the year that various pagan peoples and communities have celebrated throughout time. Now, did ancient Gaelic peoples celebrate the Wheel of the Year? No. No, they didn't. But they did most likely celebrate four fire festivals, that of Imbolc, Beltane, Lammas and Samhain. These four make up part of the Wheel of the Year. Now, the Wheel of the Year, it started being used as a term in the mid-60s due to Gerald Gardner and Ross Nichols, the supposed founder of Wicca and the head of the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids respectively, coming together and mashing up the four fire festivals known as the Greater Sabbaths, as well as the Solstices and the Equinoxes, known as the Lesser Sabbaths, of Astara, Litha, Mabon and Yule. Now, the factual purist in me I don't quite like the idea of the Wheel of the Year as a concept. It's not grounded in tradition or historic fact, but that being said, I do think there is a benefit of honouring the seasons and the passage of time. So, my plan is to look at each of the eight Sabbaths around two weeks before their actual date, so it gives you time to listen, to give you time to prepare, should you wish to honour them. And just a side note, there are countless pagan festivals all over the world, a lot of them sharing similarities, and there's a lot of the same festivals with different names. Also, depending on the hemisphere you're in, the date will differ. So, as a rule of thumb, if you're in the southern hemisphere, you add six months to the northern hemisphere date, and that's the date you celebrate the southern version. So, Yule in the north falls around the 21st of December. It will be around June 21st for the South. Yule, or the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, a day that is overwhelmingly dark and bleak. It traditionally was a Nordic festival that began on the winter solstice, which is around the 21st of December. It also gained significance in Britain and Germany. This being said, there's evidence to suggest that it may have actually fallen around the 19th to the 21st of January. By our modern calendars, for Denmark, Norway and Iceland, it's thought that it may have moved due to the King of Norway at the time, Hakon the Good, 
wanting to turn Norway Christian. He didn't want to ban the festival outright because it would have caused unrest. So, in a political move, he pushed it closer to the Christian Christmas. It's possible that as other Nordic countries came under Christianity, the date for them also changed to December 21st. Now, a lot of dictionaries will refer to Yule as an alternative name to Christmas, which is kind of true. Many pagans, to avoid Christian connotations, will call it Yule instead of Christmas, but Yule, it actually predates Christianity. We're not too sure what Yule means. It could have links to the word wheel, referring to the cyclical nature of the year, or it could refer to feasting or sacrifices. We're also not too sure what went down either, as it was only written down and recorded by Christian missionaries, and obviously they would have been influenced by Christianity. We know around this time animal stock would have been slaughtered, the blood from which would have been splattered upon idols of deities, as well as the attendees of the festival. Ale would have finished brewing around this time, so it's likely that feasting and celebrations would have taken place, and this is actually backed up by Snorri Sturluson's account. You might remember he pops up in the Odin episode, and it's worth mentioning once again that he wrote after the Age of the Vikings, and he was Christian himself. He wrote that farmers went to the local temple with food where feasting would take place, ale would be drunk and animals would be sacrificed. It's thought that the drinking of ale also had religious connotations. There was also a desire to appease solar deities to ensure the return of the light, as this wasn't thought of as a guarantee, and it's with its return that so did the hope of fertile lands that provided a bountiful crop. And additionally, it also seems to honour kingly power as well, which I will speak about a little bit further in. It's also a time for the dead, ghost stories and ancestor worship. I mean, locked away from the cold howling winds, sounding sinister and unsettling, it's thought stories about spirits and the dead came about to explain these sounds. Stories of armies of the dead made up from those who had died within the year, Roving hounds and hunting parties led by Odin, abducting those unfortunate enough to fall in their path. This roving army was called the Wild Hunt. Fires were thought to be a big part of the celebration, not only to provide light amongst the darkness, but to keep the evil spirits at bay, to warm ancestral spirits and to recall the sun. A big part of this was the Yule Log, and it's something that is still practiced today. And it's not a type of cake, but it's a big piece of wood that would have been burnt for days. The charred remains of last year's log would have been used to light the new one, highlighting a theme of continuity. Everything around the Yule log was fraught with omens and rituals that, if not adhered to, spelled disaster for the family as it heralded the return of the sun. It couldn't be purchased, this log. It had to come from the person's land or a neighbour's, and if the whole family helped chop it down and trim it, even better. It couldn't come into contact with unwashed hands, and if someone entered the room where the log was burning and they were squinting, also not a good sign, and bad luck was on the horizon. There was also a similar belief in regards to someone approaching the log with bare feet. It just wasn't done. Now, traditionally in Nordic countries, the wood would have been ash, as it's thought to have links to the Norse tree of life, Yadrasil. But in England, 
Oak was used as it was considered sacred, Scotland used birch, and in Norway, spruce, pine, or fir was commonly used. If the log didn't ignite on the first attempt, that was seen as a very bad omen for the following year. Now, in Barcelona, children would actually chant as the fire was lit. Catric, catroc, encentafoc, que hai he on probhet, que es de fred, roughly translating to catric, catroc, catch fire because there is a poor soul dying of the cold. Divination could be performed by looking at the shadows that the fire cast. There's a lot of folklore around customs, spells, and rituals betelling the future around this time of year. There's often time constraints around the fire. Older sources say that the fire had to burn for 12 days, while more modern ones suggest that it's just 12 hours. Some hold the custom that the longer the Yule log burned, the sooner the sun would come to warm the earth. Now, over time, the tradition changed on account of people's fireplaces becoming smaller. Traditionally, in some areas, the entire tree went into the fire, with the thickest part going in first and the rest sticking out into the room, which could keep the fire going for days just by feeding the log into the fire. Later, more modern sources suggest chopping the tree into bits and feeding the fire each night. If, after 12 days, any of the log was left over, it could be stored in the house to protect against lightning. There are limits to how much you can poke the fire. For example, you can't touch it while people are eating, or if there's food left on the table. And in parts of Scotland and Cornwall, a man or a woman is drawn in chalk onto the log, and this is thought to be a stand-in for a sacrifice that was usually common with the season. Now, the first actual written mention we think we have of a Yule log comes from an archbishop in Portugal, Martin of Braga. Quote, What else is it to pour grain and wine over a log in the hearth than worship of the devil? It's thought that prayers for the land's fertility was said as this happened, and then the log would be turned over and the more sparks it produced, the better. It was also the eldest member of the family who carried this ritual out, and in some places, a log is actually swapped for a candle. If you're not able to have a fire, a good way of incorporating this tradition of a Yule log is to get a log, to drill holes in it, and then place tapered candles inside these holes and decorate with Yule correspondences. And you could also anoint it with an oil of cinnamon, clove, orange, nutmeg, pine, whatever you deem seasonal, really. Plants which remain green, flowered, or bore fruit in the darker season of the year, these were felt to have special powers. Evergreen branches are thought to have been hung around doorways and windows to ward off evil spirits of darkness and death, as well as to act as a reminder of the return of spring and the new life that will come in the new year. The rituals around evergreens are actually thought to have come from the angle of sex. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, another custom was the Yule Goat, known as Julbok, and practiced throughout Sweden, Norway, and Finland. A man dressed in goat skins and carrying a goat head effigy would be symbolically killed and returned to life the next day. This ritual probably predated to an actual sacrifice, and the goat is actually thought to have roots with Thor, whose chariot, you may know, is pulled by two immortal goats. Thor would sometimes butcher and eat these goats for them to return to life the next morning. Now, with the rise of Christianity, this whole practice of the Yule Goat became seen as demonic and evil, but slowly, over time, the view has changed, and the Jolbok can now be seen next to Father Christmas, handing out presents. Now, there's also another practice of a giant straw goat being erected each year in the city of Javla in Sweden, and it's somewhat of a local joke, whereby it's the target of arson every year. In the 55 years that the tradition has been running, the goat has been burnt down 37 times, Attempts have been made to protect the goat with security and chemicals sprayed on it to make it fireproof, but these precautions often fail. One year, it only survived for six hours, and European bookies actually take bets to see if it will make it through the festive period. Now, in Denmark, around the 17th century, a designated person would don a white sheep coat and a goat's mask, and they would burst into people's living rooms, knocking over furniture and hurling abuse, insults and swearing at people. The worse his behaviour, the more he's rewarded with beer and sweets before leaving and starting on the next house. Kind of like a chaotic Santa, and I'm kind of here for it. Not sure if you want to incorporate this into your Yule this year, I guess neighbourly consent is key, but a more chilled version is making goat decorations out of straw and red ribbon or string, and placing them near or on the threshold of where you live or on a tree. Alternatively, you can write your wishes for the following year in them and then burn them. Now, similarly, a Yule boar featured in traditional festivities, called a Sunayolta, the boar, it's recorded, had oaths sworn over it from those attending the feast. Touching the fur, they made vows and oaths to the king, and breaking them would result in punishment. The boar would then be sacrificed and eaten in honour of the god Frere, the god of fertility, and he's also linked to boars. He had one that glowed golden, and everywhere it stepped, plants grew. And this boar also taught people how to plough, demonstrating with his tusks. Historically, the oaths have included vowing to destroy Norway, and one man pledged to not cut his hair till he was king. If you choose to incorporate this tradition, your oaths don't have to be extreme as the destruction of Norway. Vowing to cut out sugar from your diet or being more adventurous is more than enough. It's actually thought this is where our New Year's resolutions come from, and it may also explain why ham is a popular dish on the table around this time. Let's look at another tradition, 
wassailing, deriving from the Old English wassail, meaning be hail or good health, the word started off as the first documented toast in history. It's the 5th century, and an Anglo-Saxon princess holds up a cup of spiced wine, crying out wassail to the king. The king, overtaken by her beauty, falls for her and ends up marrying her. The word wassail then pops up in the epic poem Beowulf, which was written in the 8th century, and it actually marks an activity that has two meanings within British traditions. One, whereby people go door-to-door singing songs in exchange for food, a few coins, or some malt cider, effectively carol singing. The other, and more pagan tradition, of going to orchards to drive away evil spirits. Now, the oldest recorded mentions of this orchard were sailing took place in St. Albans in 1486, and Fordwich in Kent in 1585. And generally, it took place in the south and west of England. Technically, wassailing wasn't done on the day of Yule, but rather throughout the next few weeks after it, and on the 5th or 6th or 17th of January, which is the date of the old pagan new year. But it's interesting, and I thought I'd bring it up. It involves music, singing, drinking cider, bonfires, and varieties of mumming, which is a masked miming play. The main element of wassailing is waking up the apple tree spirits from their winter dormancy, ready for the new growing season, while simultaneously scaring away anything evil that might blight a good harvest. Led by a wassail king and queen, the queen selects a favourite tree, and then ties a ribbon around it with cake or bread soaked in cider, which was left at the base of the tree as an offering. The king then leads the chant by saying, Here's to thee, old apple tree, that blooms well, bears well. We all come to assail thee, hats full, caps full, three bushel sacks full, a heap under the stairs, and my pockets full too. Hip hip, array. Everyone then has to drink, and the king pours cider on the tree's roots, followed by everyone dancing around the tree, making as much noise as possible. If you've got fruit-bearing trees, it could be a cute little thing to do. There's a recipe on how to prepare the cider that you drink throughout the ritual, so you're going to need cider, orange juice, rum, a tablespoon of allspice berries, cinnamon sticks, and a small orange cut into rings, alongside a tablespoon of cloves, and you want to slice up a bit of apple and a pinch of nutmeg, and you want to bring all of these to a low, slow boil with the lid on the pan for a few hours, and then you want to add some ginger ale. Now, hopefully from today's episode, you can see some themes that you're able to incorporate into your practice, should you choose to do so. Obviously, slashing the throats of various types of cattle and animals and splashing the blood over your deity statues, it isn't always feasible. But there are themes like honouring life, feasting, drinking, renewal, the return of the sun. You can easily incorporate these themes in some capacity. Deities honoured around this time generally include solar gods or ones associated with light as well as rebirth. The festival of Yule, it also reinforces the ties of the community. We see the giving of song, 
entertainment in return for gifts, with everyone having a role to play. There was elements of continuity of the community in terms of individuals' well-being and prosperity being promoted. As always, thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen. You can also find me on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, under The Majors Well. Give us a follow. Say hey. I love it when people say hi. And thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. But before I go, the poem this week is called The Wassail by Robert Herrick. It can be recited upon a household for a prosperous year, and just for context, a manchette is a good loaf of bread. Give way, give way, ye gates, and win, an easy blessing to your bin, and basket by your entering in. May both with manchette stand replete, your larders too so hung with meat, that though a thousand thousand eat, yet ere twelve moons shall whirl about, their silvery spheres there's none may doubt, but more sent in than was served out. Next may your dairies prosper so, as that your pans no ebb may know, but if they do, the more to flow, like to a solemn sober stream, banked all with lilies and the cream, of sweetest cowslips filling them, then may your plants be pressed with fruit, nor bee nor hive you have be mute, but sweetly sounding like a lute. Last may your harrows, shares and ploughs, your stacks and stocks, your sweetest mows, or prosper by your virgin vows. Alas, we bless, but see none here, that brings us either ale or beer. In a dry house all things are near. Let's leave a longer time to wait, where rust and cobwebs bind the gate, and all live here with needy fate, where chimneys do for ever weep, for want of warmth and stomachs keep, with noise the servants' eyes from sleep. It is in vain to sing or stay, our free feet here but will away, yet to the Lars this will say, the time will come when you'll be sad, and reckon this for fortune bad. Peace out, majors, and I'll see you at the crossroads. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.